Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that pushes the parameters when discussing motoring and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories from around the world, including two surveys, one that says that people want technology in their cars, and another that says that a lot of people are not using all the technology that they have. We talk about the value or not of some optional extras in cars. We discuss having a punt in the latest Peugeot 308 GTI around the Sydney Motorsport Racetrack. And in our panel discussion with Errol Smith and Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including changing traffic noise to music. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now, let's get the program going. First, the news. Two surveys in the US seem to give conflicting information about the need for advanced technologies in new cars. J.D. Power's 2015 Media and Marketing Report found that 30% of new vehicle drivers cited their vehicle's latest technology as a keen reason for purchasing. It's higher in luxury cars at 43% and lower in non-luxury vehicles at 28%. However, in J.D. Power's Driver Interactive Report, one out of every five new vehicle owners has never used half of the 33 technology features measured by the survey. The most preferred technologies that were wanted in a new car included blind spot warning and detection, fuel economy indicator and seat lumbar adjustment. And technologies that were not wanted by many buyers in their next vehicle included rear seat entertainment, massaging seats and in-vehicle concierge. Fiat Chrysler thinks it should merge with General Motors but GM is not at all keen. According to the American Auto News, Fiat Chrysler's CEO, Sergio Maccioni, says he is not going away. He said he has looked at the details, done the calculations, and says that there are too many upsides not to go ahead. Maccioni says the numbers come out so good that his board of directors has no choice but to put pressure on GM to begin discussions. While not giving an official answer, a GM insider has said why should GM bail out Fiat Chrysler? Years ago, GM had an option to buy out Fiat, but paid a lot of money to get out of the deal. Bangkok is renowned as a city that is clogged with traffic. But now, a new research report entitled Making Transportation Smarter in Asia pointed out that Bangkok could reap benefits worth up to a billion dollars per year by implementing intelligent transport systems. With intelligent transport systems, data collected from vehicles, infrastructure or users is aggregated, analysed and then delivered back in the form of meaningful insights that enabled more informed and timely commuting decisions. The South Korean government has committed to investing $4.4 billion from 2007 to 2020 and intelligent transport. And in Japan, vehicle and communication information, along with electronic toll collection, have been implemented by linking the government and relevant agencies to the private sector. 
more cars are coming equipped with robotic functions that protect drivers from front-end crashes, which is more likely to result in fewer accidents and lower insurance rates. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety said that over half of the 700-plus new vehicle models in the US come with technology that alerts a driver to a pending accident as either a standard or optional feature. Among 2015 models, 27% also offer robotic braking, which automatically slows or stops the vehicle without driver intervention if a crash is imminent. That's more than twice as many as in the 2012 model year. Five of the most common new technologies are forward collision warning, auto braking, lane departure warning and prevention, adaptive headlights and blind spot detection. Many images of American military action on the ground include photos of the Humvee vehicle. The vehicle even led to the production brand, the Hummer. Currently the US military has a fleet of over 280,000 Humvees, but the Humvee has reached the end of its usable life, and the vehicle to replace it will be the Oshkosh JLTV, Joint Light Tactical Vehicle. The initial contract is worth $9.4 billion and could ultimately be worth $42 billion. Despite its enormity, the JLTV has a turning circle of just 7.6 metres, about the same as a London taxi. To prevent surface corrosion in harsh environments, JLTVs will have a self-healing paint called polyfiboblast. The coating contains microscopic polymer spheres filled with an oily liquid. When the painted surface is scratched, the spheres break and fill the scratch or dent. James Bond is a tough character, and the car that he is most known to drive is the Aston Martin, which does not have an environmentally sensitive image. But this is all about to change. The company is looking to release a completely electric car based on the petrol-powered Aston Martin Rapid Sedan at some point in the next two years. That has been the news. In the past, cars did not have so many extra features. Now there are usually a wide range of variants within a model, offering a tempting range of optional extras. Are many of these features all they're cracked up to be? Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au has his doubts, and he joins us on the line to discuss it. Paul, there is a bit of history here of some unusual features. I remember the E.H. Holden had a set of luggage that was specifically made to fit into the boot. Apparently it's not on its own in that regard. No, David, um, tailored luggage or yeah, bespoke luggage was, was a very common thing ooh, even way back into the 20s and 30s with, with particularly expensive cars. I mean, going back a long time, the early cars had quite odd-shaped, odd-shaped luggage compartments, compartments, so they actually needed to have this stuff tailor-made. Mm, of course, C.H. Holden also had a door handle, an extra one, that was up near where the window met the sill and was just a little bit of metal that allowed for an easy shutting of the door without having to reach down to the uh, arm rest. How far we've come. Can you imagine someone offering you a little piece of metal to pull the door closed today? (laughs) (laughs) 
We move on to the other. We've just done a news story that says one in five people don't use half of the technical features that are on a car. So sometimes uh, perhaps we might like the idea but rarely use it. I think you would put sunroofs in that category. I would put sunroofs in the absolutely useless don't ever bother to buy one category, David. Um, You know my feelings on sunroofs. Mostly I think they're absolutely unnecessary. And certainly the further north you go in Australia, the even less popular they are. Look, uh, with modern air conditioning, gee, I tell you, you, you you rarely need it. Some people like the wind in the hair. I had a mate who had a sports car with just a sunroof in it, not a convertible, and he said he loved it, but just doesn't seem to suit me. The other thing about them is they weigh quite a lot. This is an important point. I've, I've raised this with a number of car companies, and I haven't very often had a straight answer, which is always a telling sign that there's something there that you need to know about particularly the panoramic, what's called the panoramic sunroof, which in many cases will stretch almost from the the top of the windscreen all the way back to the back of the car. That is a a vast expanse of glass. Now, quite apart from the fact that it will generate or radiate a lot of heat, it also, by definition, weighs a lot. Let's face it, glass is not a lightweight product. So if you've got three or four or five feet of glass and the width of the car at a very high point in in the car itself, so you're raising the the centre of gravity. That's a lot of weight high up in the car. I've never been able to get quite a quite definitive answer on how much all that glass weighs, but it must weigh a fair bit. One manufacturer was saying the other day that if you do have a sunroof, you've really got to adjust the suspension a bit to cope with the extra weight and the extra leaning that you get, as you say, because of the higher centre of gravity. Now, sunglasses holder, that would have to be another... (laughs) dubious additional feature wouldn't it i would love to do some research and see how many people ever use the sunglasses holder and indeed if they do use the sunglasses holder what they use it for because i'll guarantee it's very rarely for sunglasses (laughs) yes and be nice to think they're always there but what happens if you go out without the car if you've got to unlock (laughs) the car get in and get it i don't think many people use it as you say now gauges in cars we're measuring everything these days as is it to excess well, I certainly think so. I mean, I don't. I have to ask myself occasionally how important it is that I know the external temperature or the the g forces I'm generating or the whatever it is. I mean, there are just gauges everywhere, and to some extent, that much information is going to be obviously distracting. If you're trying to drive a car, you don't want to be looking at things and trying to interpret. Oh, look, I've put out X number of kilowatts and I've generated X g force. You really need to know the important stuff, like how fast you're going. Yeah, I found that the Renault had the traction amount of traction control that was being applied to each of the individual front wheels as you're accelerating very firmly i don't want the person accelerating very firmly to be looking at the gauge i want them to be looking at the road yes you do and and how does that information enhance your driving experience do you change what you're doing because you're getting this information do you suddenly go oh i'm i'm losing traction on the on the left left rear wheel i'd better do something about it i don't think you can use that information to even if you're on a racetrack even if you're driving at 10 tenths, I don't see how that information is useful in improving your driving or it's or increasing your speed reducing your lap times or whatever that may be that is lovely stuff and uh, very thoughtful and perceptive I always enjoy our conversations. Thanks very much. Thank you, David. And that's Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au where we were talking about optional extras to cars. Are they really worth it? Do you really want it? Do you ever use them? 
And if you would like to hear a longer version of that interview, including covering subjects such as heated seats, wings on the back of cars, and a number of options in Rolls Royces, you can go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. The best way to compare the performance of two models of the same car is to drive them around a racetrack. Brent Davison and I have been doing just that with the new Peugeot 208 GTI, the base model and the 30th anniversary edition. The engine output is pretty similar, but there are some significant differences in the two models. Brent, who is of course from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury, joins us on the line to talk about this. Brent, I'd have to say that the 30th anniversary edition of the car had a very distinctive colour scheme. Uh, yeah, that's not the word I'd use, David. Well, it is the word I'd use. Um, and, um, not very nice, in my personal opinion, is the phrase I would use. Black and red, but it's basically half and half, and it's a, a little a little hard to take. It, it's one of those colour schemes you either love it or you hate it. It's very polarising, mm. which is great. I'm on the negative side. Fundamentally black, almost a bit of a matte black sort of look about it, and the back little bum part of it, or you know, just uh, including a little bit of the roof, is in a, a, almost a strawberry red. I think it looks like a bit of licorice that's been dipped in strawberry sauce. Is uh, the sort of colour scheme to it? That's a good one. I like that. Hmm. Yeah, but but you 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 go into this with the guys from Peugeot, and it's like. It's four layers of paint, and one of the layers has this very fine powder or dust or sand or whatever in it, and it has a it actually has a texture. And uh, yeah, look, it's 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 different. You'll never lose this car in the car park. I know that's one of my favourite lines to describe uh, whether the, a car is a, a standout or uh, or not, and this one is definitely a standout. They say the front black bit is uh, hand painted. I wonder if that meant by a brush, but I presume not. Uh, uh, I guess it's sprayed on. I'm not sure that makes it even better, but uh, nonetheless, as you say, it's uh, distinct. Uh, the 208 and the, the 30th anniversary, now they have a different engine. Not much, uh, I think it's the same capacity, only slightly different performance figures, but they are different engines. Yeah, it all gets a little confusing. I think the whole point is that, yes, they are different engines and, yes, they are slightly different capacities, but the whole deal is that um, we, we looked at the package, so there's sort of this, uh, the, the suspension's a little bit harder and and the tyres are a little bit firmer and wider and the wheels are a little bit bigger and, you know, it, there's all this sort of uh, pseudo sort of track pack thing about it. So you're not just buying an extra two or three or five kilowatts. You're actually buying this this whole thing that, that, that performs as, a, as, as an entire entity on the track. And when you drive the two cars back to back, as we did, we had that, that uh, particular pleasure, you can actually say that the, the special cars, the, the black and red cars, do feel like 
nice little uh, little little hard boys, you know, little wide boys from the from the streets of Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it more suited to the race track. I'm not saying it's it's only for that, but it's certainly more suited to it. It it, it was sharper. It it turned into corners with a little bit more firmness and accuracy. Uh, not that the the base model was bad, but uh, that the the thirtieth anniversary one was a bit different. The engines uh, with uh, one the the better engine is 153 kilowatts. The base one's 147. Not much difference there at all. Uh, 300 newton meters for the 30th anniversary and 275. A little bit of more torque. I actually thought taking off in the uh, 30th anniversary did feel a little bit stronger in the engine. But maybe that was just because it was the second one I drove and I started to get a bit more confident and put my foot down a little bit more. Uh, but well, that's, that's it. Sorry, David. I was yeah. just talking about that, that. That's a distinct possibility. But but I found that um, the, the piece of Eastern Creek we drove on the, the new Southern Circuit, which incorporates the the ugly little corkscrew that can really frighten the hell out of a, out of a, a person like me. Um, the the anniversary model, the black and red thing, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> it, 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 it rolled in at, at, at several kilometres an hour faster than the, than the regular car, mm. and, and it sort of gripped onto the track much more easily. Mm. It, the, the car was, was noticeably faster, and it, it, it absolutely rocketed out the other side, and not only that, it, it liked to be in a higher gear, so it was, it was pulling much the same, but in, but in a, higher, a higher gear set, which, you know... It, it, that was, it was impressive. And if you would like to hear a longer interview with Brent where we talk about the fact that the more powerful version of the 208 got better fuel economy, we reminisce about the first model from Peugeot in this class of car, the 205, and we also chat about Brent's thoughts on the Citroen Cactus. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. And once again, we come towards the end of the program where we have a chance to mull over and chat about a few more unusual subjects. And I'm very happy to say I'm again joined by Errol Smith. Gay Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. Gay Brian. G'day, David. And, uh, in fact, Brian, you're going to lead us with the story. Certainly, darling. Uh, certainly, darling. David, um, the, uh, the vexed question of traffic noise is uh, being dealt with by a project um, of artists in Europe um, apparently, uh, recent European law has said that electric cars and hybrid vehicles will have to make a noise by 2019. Of course, one of the issues with electric cars is they can be silent, and so they can be a bit tricky in pedestrianised areas. Well, these artists are thinking about this as an opportunity. Instead of having a conventional engine noise, they'd like to think about music. They'd like to have the cars make music. This is a fantastic idea. So... Future in the future, e-cars may well be considered as speakers on wheels, and that the the sounds made by um, a bunch of vehicles together, not so much a cacophony as an orchestra, um, and uh, which where the music would be made up of different instruments of vehicles, and they'd create sort of different tunes as they moved along. I think it's a fantastic idea, and I'd love to see this 
um, actually happen that uh, that you know instead of having a a roaring engine noise, you may have uh, the sound of a beautiful um, instrument driving along. Instrument. Thoughts or a song? What about a song? Oh, indeed. If you're, and I think it should reflect the situation. Okay. So if you're braking real hard, it might be the scream of Metallica. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it brings attention to it. Do you know there's a song called Pedestrian? And, and it's by Hoyle Road. Mm, yeah, but it's, and it's, the pretty, word, it's pretty ordinary, David. <laughs> yes, it's got... Uh, it's got... No, I can tell you the whole words are, another day slips away, it scares me, integrate, disintegrates. You should have thought by now I wouldn't somehow escape this house and ventured out, but I wanted to stay. That's it. That's it. Those are the total words of the right, song. Right, right. I, th- I think that this 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 could connect into your car stereo. So your car stereo is not just for inside the car; it's now for outside the car as well. Oh, that's a, okay. yes, it's a, f- a fantastic idea. Well, if you listen to some of these music things, they'll tell you what your friends are listening to. This will display it to them as you're driving along. It could it just could be a lovely idea. I mean, it could certainly change a city, couldn't it? Uh, in terms of the the sounds of the city. The thing is, we're going to have linked cars. Yes. And so one car will know where the other car's going. So you could be the oboe. Someone else could be the violin. Oh, wow. Okay. So and you could, could together, together. together, you could create beautiful music. Yeah. Ah, that's a fair you know, So it doesn't just become a cacophony of sound. It actually yes. becomes an intended thing. That's and, lovely. And the, the, the giant semi-trailer, that can be the bong-bong drums. Well, yeah, the bass drum, the big, or the cymbals. I'd like or, to see it as the timpani, the t- eighteen-wheeler <laughs> timpani, as it backs <laughs> off. It's it sort of. <laughs> oh, it's it's almost like an organ pipe, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It sort of gets as it backs off. You get that sort of reverberating, you know, oh, yeah. deep sound yes. of a, a, a big organ pipe. The, so, uh, so perhaps, the perhaps we could have the if there's an if there becomes an electric semi-trailer. Rather than having the two exhaust pipes, you could have the, the whole bunch of pipes mm. and just be basically an organ. Yes, different size. <laughs> we if could have surround sound. If, if, if they're linked together, you know, mm-hmm. each car could be playing a different channel from the same piece. Yes. You could well, have 7.1 at, at an intersection. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think though that this is going to wind up going the other way. Every single car is going to be playing some completely different piece of music that you don't like. So <laughs> you're going to then turn up yours so that you can't hear theirs, and it's just going to become you know the uh, basically who can play the loudest thing. Yeah, some guy going past loudest, playing Phil Collins or something. Loudest, most annoying sound. Yes. It's sort of like the audio, the musical equivalent of the uh, of that wastegate sound that. Turbo owners yes. love it. Yes. Well, yes. the other thing is you could get it to sound like Doctor Who or you know, disappearing, oh, yeah. disappearing into the hyperspace. My electric or, or car is going to sound like a uh, like a Spitfire. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. As you potter along at twenty kilometres <laughs> an hour. That's right. Sounding like I'm <laughs> diving from thirty thousand feet. Could you extend this to cyclists? Could a, a peloton yeah. of cyclists, uh, you know, be? Sort of harmonising Queen's bicycle race. Yeah, or you could just make it a whole lot of uh, playing cards in uh, or footy cards in spokes. Sounds mm. yes. Dif- different size cards make a different noise. I just think they should all play green sleeves, and then we'll always <laughs> think there's ice cream. <laughs> That's a great idea. 
Mm, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tom Waits also had a song called Broken Bicycles. Perhaps if you uh, have a certain anger towards that uh, mode of transport, you might want to play that. <laughs> they're, they're already covered, David. They're called Spooky Dokies. <laughs> okay. Now, gentlemen, each year the global wine production creates an estimated 13 million tonnes of waste, and it's known as Grape Mark, uh, although I think the French call it Mar. Uh, it's made up of grape skin stems and seeds, but it doesn't have to go to waste because researchers from the University of Adelaide say it can become a competitive biofuel. They've done a study that the ethanol yields can be increasing by treat, uh, treating it with acids and enzymes, uh, but the reality is it doesn't necessarily need near as much of the production as other fuels might need. Uh, gentlemen, should we drink our way to self-sufficiency? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> David, I, I just thought that the uh, the wine waste that, that was just called a clean skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they might make more money selling it as a fuel than they're making selling it as a wine. Look, I, I'm I'm more comfortable with this than the idea that uh, food crops like corn uh, being yes. used for fuels, because mm. I'm worried that uh, you know as the value of the fuel goes up, um, you know people may rather sell their corn to fuel than fuel machines than feed people. So, uh, look, a, a waste product from wine would be absolutely fine, in my view, as a uh, like a biofuel. I think it's a great idea. Do you think we'd become pretentious about it then? Oh, you know, What definitely. year was your fuel made? Yeah. Definitely. Ah, mm. a, a, obviously, a, a, you know, it's a, a little bit of red and white there together and, you know, in its colour. A cheeky like a cheeky little fuel. Yes, cheeky, yes. Yeah. You'd, you'd have to sniff it before you put it ah, in your tank. There's a yes. problem. Yes, yes. See? Yes, oh, great, great nose. That's a premium. Petrol <laughs> sniffing. You're under arrest. <laughs> so it'd be difficult for sort of wine and uh, and fuel connoisseurs. Then you know, yes. one of them's acceptable. The other one, maybe not so much. Yes. <laughs> and then, well, then you'd get service stations for the elite, wouldn't you? Ah. Aged in oak sort of stuff mm. gentlemen that has been very good and as always I appreciate your thoughts and times thanks very much You're welcome nice. and that's uh, Errol Smith and Brian Smith talking uh, the more unusual stories and uh, unusual takes on stories to do with motoring and transport and we continue our discussion of fuels made with alcoholic leftovers with Brian and Errol. And we discuss a couple of other issues such as San Francisco light poles being eroded by we from dogs and cows that assaulted a BMW causing $1,000 worth of damage. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Paul Morell, David Campbell, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>